Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I am Sarah McDooley and I am pretty much giddy with glee as <laughs> I always am when I get to speak to the amazing Candace Fox. Hooray, it's me. I'm Yay. back again. <laughs> uh, we were saying before uh, we started recording um, that you were one of the last people to come in and sign books and, and do a podcast with us before the the pandemic hit. Yes. So this is kind of a, a, a bookending situation. Like it a is. lot has happened in between visits. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's not been fun. Nobody wants a pandemic. No. It's, they make an excellent movie, pandemics and outbreaks and mass crises, but they're not Less that much fun, fun in, in real, real life. life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Um, you are here today mm. to be talking to us about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this number 15 of your books? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Called I'm The working, Chase. Yeah, The Chase. Which I have loved, as I love all your books, and we'll get to my feelings later. But while, <laughs> but, but while we're here um, at the beginning of the podcast, if you could just outline for the people listening who haven't had a chance to read this yet, what is The Chase about? The Chase is about a, a mass outbreak um, from a prison in the Nevada desert. So 653 uh, inmates break out, basically someone breaks them out, uh, a terrorist group. And so you follow a bunch of key people. Uh, so there is the death row supervisor, Celine Osborne. Obviously this is her worst nightmare because <laughs> she knows who is on her row and how bad they are and they are all running free now. Uh, John Cradle um, is a man who has been on death row for the murder of his wife and sister-in-law and son, and he is out to prove his innocence. And Celine has very personal reasons for hating his guts. Uh, and uh, we've got Trinity Parker, who is the U.S. Marshal, head of the U.S. Marshal Service, who's been assigned to the cleanup effort. And then I go into a bunch of other characters just because how can you not have fun with all of these inmates right outside Vegas? They are heading in to have a really good time and so there's a bunch of other characters too. It is a, a, a really actually big cast of characters. It mm. feels like a really big I, – I got to the end of the book and I sort of felt like I'd watched a whole TV series okay. or like a, a really a, a, or a movie I guess but it's like a big cast you could imagine it with star-studded actors mm. and um and yeah oh, I guess you. 653 <laughs> dangerous criminals out on the loose is yep. um a, a rich storytelling ground and can I ask I because I feel like when I was reading I I there are a lot of inspirations from both like fictional stuff and real stuff that mm -hmm. I detected in there. So I just wanted to um, quiz you a bit about those. I thought there was some inspiration in there from The Fugitive. Yes, I love The Fugitive. Yeah. Uh, and I drop lines from The Fugitive in my life, in my relationship <laughs> with Tim, uh, because he also loves The Fugitive. Uh, I just watched that movie a million times when I was a kid and I mention it in the book um, a couple of times uh, and I actually – I have a story about The Fugitive. <laughs> Yay, because I love uh, a story from you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit in it where um, Harrison Ford is talking to the guys, the investigators, and he's he's saying, you know, I didn't kill my wife, a man with a one-armed um, uh, a one-armed man killed my wife and he says you find that man 
And it's just one of those key lines. Like everyone knows the the Tommy Lee Jones, I want a hard target search of every dog house, hen house, outhouse. Um, but uh, you find that man is something Aww. that Tim and I will say to each other sometimes. And uh, <laughs> so when I was having my daughter, when I was in the delivery room with, you know, having my daughter Violet, I said to them, can I have an epidural about 10 minutes into labour? <laughs> you know, I said to Tim, oh, I'm, I'm open a, about not have, with the idea of not having drugs. I want to know what this, you know, labour pain is like. I've been hearing it all my life. So after, you know, how bad it is. So after 10 minutes I said, epidural nope. please. <laughs> and they said, no, you can't have one. Uh, so they were saying that for a while. They were saying, no, you can't have one. No, your blood pressure's too high. No, blah, blah, blah. And after a while they said, well, you might be able to have one. We're just trying to find the guy uh. who will give it to you. And I turned to Tim and I said, you find that man. <laughs> <laughs> and he got it. And, and, and the, rest of the, the rest of the people in the room, there's about 20 people in the room because I had so much trouble, blood pressure and all this stuff. They were just like, is she okay? And I was just like, yeah. I cannot tell you how delightful that is to know that in the middle of labour you had time for a fugitive-based joke. Yes, yes, yes. I cracked a couple of jokes, but the rest of it was just screaming. I got I got suddenly religious. I'm not a religious person, but I was like, pray with me, Tim. Pray with me, please, God. It's not, yeah. I was not stoic at all. Were you – so – how, but your daughter is how old now? She is 19 months. Right. And she, she's got about 100 words. And within those 100 words are bullet, murder and stab. <laughs> <laughs> and You're raising I, a little crime writer? <laughs> I, I didn't teach her any of those. I didn't. She was at the high chair. She was sitting in a high chair one time watching cartoons. And she just turned to me and looked me dead in the eyes. And she goes, bullet. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, that's creepy. That's weird. And then and then she was trying to say bird. She loves birds and she's going bird, bird, bird and looking at a picture of a bird and I said it's bird, bird. And then Christmas it was Christmas day the next day. So I go around the in-laws place and she's running around going murder, murder, murder. <laughs> And everyone looks at me and they're like, Candace, what are really? you teaching this child? She's saying bird. She's <laughs> and then maybe a week ago she had a she had a pencil and her dad was holding her, Tim was holding her, and she went, Stab, stab, stab. And I, I love like, this. Oh, oh Violet. Child after your own heart. Yes. <laughs> She's my baby. She's uh, where did you learn the word stab? Stab, stab, stab. I can't think where she would pick it up. Oh, just oh, mystery real mystery, mystery. it's a mystery yeah um what's the experience of writing like now as a mother of a young child mm. versus pre-motherhood yeah it's okay for me because I've always been someone who um has to squeeze my writing in wherever I can like mm. when I was a kid um I started writing taking writing very seriously in my teen years and you know, my mum had the six kids and then she fostered 155 kids as I was growing up and so the house was chaotic and it's like you have 20 minutes to do whatever you want before this is happening or that's happening or blah, blah, blah. You know, mm. so um, I can do it like that. Uh, uh, you know, Violet's having a nap, bang, go and do it. 
Uh, and I know that that's kind of very, very useful because I know other writers who are like, I have to be in a certain chair and I have to be in a certain room and I have to have eaten a certain meal or I have to wear my character's clothes or whatever <laughs> to get... Yeah, I have heard that. Especially like that last one. Yeah, <laughs> or I have to go around the house acting like my character before. It must be the stroke of midnight. Yes. And 23 degrees. And <laughs> yes, exactly. Or I have to have soundproof earphones on my head or whatever I'm like no not you wherever you get a chance yeah when I was um, working in bars in my early 20s I used to print out a big blank receipt from the till and I used to write on a receipt and um, when I was breastfeeding Violet in the middle of the night I wrote a horror um, (laughs) screenplay because you can write a screenplay they've got screenplay running apps I'm sorry, it's just a funny image. The miracle yeah, of life. Like, I might like, just write a horror story while yeah, this is going on. It's a really, oh, you know, it, for the first three times you breastfeed, it's the miracle of life. And then after that, it's like, yeah, horror. Just check my Instagram, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, multitasking. Well, circling back to inspirations for the chase, because we <laughs> the got a bit diverted, <laughs> delightfully. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I also found myself thinking of the show Prison Break just because there are yes. so many criminals out in the desert on the loose. Yeah. Um, and um, and a movie that I hadn't thought about or seen for a long time but felt compelled to revisit after the chase, which was Con Air. Con Air is another <laughs> one that I watched a million – and I sometimes say, why didn't you put the bonnet back in the box? Um <laughs> Uh, and things like that. Yes, that is a wonderful uh, film because it's just so much fun. It I is. Mean, why not? Why not? It's wild and big and just bombastic. And, yeah. and so is The Chase. The yeah. Chase is just – I uh, and it's nonstop. Like yes, there's so yeah. many characters to follow. There's so much going on. There's such high stakes. I, 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 I like to challenge myself as a writer. This is the thing. Like I have done – quiet steamy sinister cast of five people novels Mm. and i i say to myself what have i not done i have not done uh an action-packed cast of a hundred you know explosions and gunshots and (laughs) running and and i want to people to look at me and look at my books on the shelf and say i don't know what i'm gonna get and, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous as a writer because customers come back because they want to see the same thing every time sometimes. Like your Harry Bosch fans and your Jack mm. Reacher fans, I want it to be exact. It's like McDonald's. I want it to be exactly the way I like it, you know. So some people might go, this is too fast for me. I prefer her steamier stuff or whatever. But I'm trying to bring out a novel every nine months or something so you just you can wait maybe and and i'll get steamier next time or i'll get mid-level next time and well i mean given how hugely successful every one of your books is i don't (laughs) think people are complaining that you switch it up a bit and i can only speak for myself as a, a reader of your books but i find that though you may radically change um plot style and location and um and cast size and all of that, there's still a very strong uh, flavour to a Candace Fox novel. So, like, regardless whether you're writing um, a a tight cast and and suspenseful or a huge blockbuster like The Chase, Mm. I go in, I expect 
amazing dialogue. I expect some quirky, amusing characters. Oh, and good. And you always deliver that. And I, I love that so much about your Thank book. Thank you. And it's clear and present in the chase. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everyone's different. This is the thing. <laughs> I hate it when you pick up a book and it's like, the cast, the, you know, it's five white guys and their name, you know, they all have chestnut brown hair and, and meridian sapphire blue eyes. And meridian <laughs> sapphire. <laughs> and their names are David, Luke, you know, Matt. And it's like, how do I tell the difference between all Impossible. These guys? They you all know. just blend together. Yeah, yeah. Not and so in your books. No, I just want everyone to be different. And, and I like... So one of the joys of being an author is bringing out a book and people saying, oh, I love Ada, she's my favourite, or yeah. I love Celine, she's my favourite, or, or whatever, whoever it is. And I'm kind of split between Celine and Cradle, to be honest. Oh, I felt good. that they had – they're both such great characters um, separately as they're mm. not in the same scenes a lot in mm, this, but mm. their stories are very much propelled yes. or intertwined. Yes. Um, but on in the occasions where you do see them together or they're reminiscing about mm. interactions they've had in the past, it was amazing. Like the <laughs> I don't I don't want to be spoilery, but I guess it's not too spoilery to say that John Cradle is a prisoner and Celine is a prison warden mm-hmm. and that they have kind of an a battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like a prank war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, a prank war. That's yeah. what I was trying to do. Like cause because they get off on the wrong foot for, mm. for reasons. Good reasons. Yeah, yeah, understandable reasons. They As soon as he arrives at the prison, it is on between the two of them. She hates him. And yeah. and her colleagues say to her, you hate him even worse than the guy that ate all those ladies' faces and you hate him even worse than this inmate and that inmate. And she's like, I hate his guts. And for her, it's a, it's personal. It's personal, yeah, make, yeah, yeah. And he knows that and is not afraid to just mess with her and make her life hard. And I, I, I have had some experience with people in prison, um, particularly death row inmates, and I just think, how do you how do you exist uh, without entertaining yourself in that way? Mm. And um, I have heard from prison guards that the inmates are just so focused on you because you are an outsider. Uh, the officers leave the prison and they come back, so they it's like they go to another planet. So it's like their what only did you, connection to the outside. Yeah. So it's like, how do you live out there? What do you do? Who do you know? And they try to get all involved in your life, oh. you know. And it's it's creepy and it's hard. Um, oh, and that would be a difficult job. Yeah. So Cradle's one of his things that he entertains himself with in his his cell, which is locked in for twenty three hours a day, um, as most death row inmates in the US are, uh, is just to just to mess with Find her. Find creative, very creative, creative ways yeah, to really yeah. piss her off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. And um and oh look, like all, all of the all of the characters in this book are amazing. We Grace is another really amazing character. Mm, mm, mm. Um there's you already mentioned Trinity. Mm. There's a really scary uh serial killer a strangler who gloms on to oh, um, yeah. Cradle. That, that's an interesting <laughs> character. He's fun. He's fun. I just loved the idea of how, you know, here's this guy and he's unexpectedly out of prison and mm. he's got this chance to, you know, potentially like 
clear his name mm. and suddenly he's forced into this bizarre road trip situation where yes. he has an actual <laughs> really dangerous serial killer who yeah. could at any moment kill I, him or any passerby yeah. and he's got to babysit him and uh, like I loved it. It was oh, so <laughs> it was fun to write Homer. Homer Carrington is the serial killer that sort of latches on to Cradle just when he's breaking free. And I I wanted to I'm always trying to defy the stereotypes because people expect you a very intelligent Hannibal Lecter um, cold callous type when they talk about serial killers. But Homer is I was trying to channel like a Labrador. Have you seen <laughs> um, what is it called Bojack Horseman? Yes, yes. I love that show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who's the Amazing Labrador? Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut Butter, <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like that. He's sort of cheerful and he just wants to be friends. He mm. just wants to be friends with Cradle. And, um, and he wants to be liked. He wants to be and liked. And he also wants to kill you. Yes. <laughs> it's it's the same with – I met uh, Lawrence Bittaker, the serial killer, in real life. Um, mm. I went to death row and visited him. And he was the same. He was just like, love me, love me. I'm a misunderstood. I'm a poor misunderstood creature. I didn't mean to kill all those women. Oh, I'm really oh, a nice God. guy. You know, it's like, not really though, not really. And and it's just, uh, it's a sickening kind of a disguise to put on because your Hannibal Lecter type, he owns it. He's like, I, mm. I ate his liver with some Chianti and I own what I'm and doing. Father V. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we're used to seeing that portrayal more yes. than we are this affable, like yeah. surface charming. Yeah, needy. It's yeah. very needy. Um, Ted Bundy was a very needy man who just wanted to be loved by everyone. Uh, and you see that in his interviews before his execution. He's mm. trying to convince this journalist that I'm really, I'm really a very nice guy, and uh, it and was all kind of just a misunderstanding. And yes. It wasn't really, you know, it wasn't yeah. really my fault. Yeah, Lawrence said to me, um, for 33 years of my life, uh, I, you know, I was this great guy. I had all these friends. Everyone loved me, and I'm law-abiding citizen, and all this wouldn't hurt a fly. And then I went through this. He called it a phase, a chapter, three months chapter where i killed five young girls and it was and just a blip and he's in like, his mind yeah he's like and then 38 years since then same thing great guy i have lots of friends in here i obey the laws of the prison he said so if you look at my life as a whole really you oh know re and, and i'm sort of thinking to myself it's not really that's you not can't really look at it works. like that no. only a psychopath can look at it yes like that. but all they have yeah. to all they have to do is sit in their cells all day long and think about ways they can manipulate people and he's trying it on me he's saying just see it from my perspective come yeah. on you just know? a tiny little momentary lapse and that's, in which that's all i'm known for is being a serial killer. i have to carry that through the rest of my life yes. what a, i Poor gotta me. feel sorry for him <laughs> it's wild to me that you met him it's mm. like i often um so often when i encounter someone who has not ever read one of your books mm. and i'm like filled with this kind of determination to get them addicted <laughs> to your books um and so but it happened the other day that one of my colleagues was like, oh, you know, Candace Fox is coming tomorrow. I haven't read one of her books. And then um, 
unfortunately she was subjected to like well I don't think it was unfortunate I think it was a fascinating but she, I don't think she got a word in edgewise for about yeah. 20 minutes while yeah, I yeah. went through outlined the basics of each of your theories <laughs> explained why they're so good and then t- retold the stories that you've told us about okay. um going to meeting meeting serial killers and going to prisons and I I mean I don't We've, we've had a lot of people come through here. I certainly haven't spoken to every crime writer, but, like, we've spoken to a fair few amount of crime writers. Is that is it common for people to have done that or are you, or are you like, one of the few writers who have done that? I, I, don't, I don't know. There is, a, there is a writer, I think her name is Amanda Hammond, and she's a serial killer connoisseur. She's met a bunch of them and she's written to like 500 of them wow. um but for me it's not as though i set out uh i i i set out to do these things it's just being a crime writer it's not weird for me to do crimey sorts of things so mm. going and meeting a serial killer or visiting body dumping sites on my honeymoon or going to Lithgow Maximum Security Prison and getting a tour. This is it's not weird. People go, yeah, oh, she's it's a on crime brand. Writer. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I would if I wasn't a crime writer, I would probably love to do that anyway. Yeah. You okay. Know? And my mum used to drive us out into the Belangolo State Forest and, and tell us about <sighs> Ivan Malat and in the night and turn the lights <laughs> off and try to scare the shit out of us when we were kids. And so she is someone who does weird crimey things. She was writing to 20 prison inmates uh, at the same time at one point. She just wow. started She started writing to them and she got up to 20 and she said, I can't keep these guys straight. I don't, I don't know. Oh, my God. Sidebar yeah. question. What were your first words, Candice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. So I have a story about that. My mum was writing to all these prison inmates and I was pretty – I must have been pretty small. I must have been – because I was doing, um, I was doing like a public speaking course, um, and I I remember, you know, just being a kid and all the kids there. So you know, I'm I'm gonna say I was like eight or nine. Anyway, so <laughs> Mum had been writing to all these prison inmates, and I went into her room, and they would send her things. They would make her bits of art. Wow. And they, she had this bit of art from this guy and at the bottom of the bit of art it said Noel, N-O-A-L, Noel. And I said, what's Noel? And she said, oh, it's his name. Um, and I said, Noel, that's a funny name, Noel. I've never heard that before. So it just lodged in my mind. Anyway, I went, I went to the, the activity centre and I was doing the things and all these adults were there and they had name tags. And I said, you know, this is weeks later. Mm. I said to mum, there's a guy in there named Noel. Like I've seen the name again. And she looked through the window and she went, oh, my God, it's him. (laughs) And it was him. And he'd gotten out. She'd stopped writing to him or whatever. He'd gotten out and he was there surrounded by – he's a pedophile. Oh, my God. Because she had written and – there was this program where you, they, you write and they don't tell you what the inmate has done. You just – they set up the right, pen pal thing. Yeah. yeah, but she said they would always – she would always ask. And they, and would, they always would always tell, tell. her. Yeah, okay. and she looked through the window and she's like, oh, my God. So had, she had to go to the manager and say, that guy just got out of prison and – uh, you know, and yeah. That is wild. I so love wild. the stories you tell so much, particularly the ones – 
featuring your mom. But oh that's like God. a kind of twist on that. Most people are like, oh, no, I've run into an ex that I don't want to talk yes. to. And <laughs> in your mom's case, it's like, oh, no, oh, I've run into I a run criminal into that it. I wrote letters to. Yes. Had his name been something <laughs> random, like uh, ordinary, though, like Matt or something, it would mm. never, I would never... Have made the have, connection. You know, and it's good that you did, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he obviously wasn't supposed to be no. around all those kids. No, 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 no. And he's just gone and done it and then, oh, the oh, name terrifying. tag. Never put a name tag on. Or, 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 or do. <laughs> because in this <laughs> case, do, it was very lucky. <laughs> Unless you're trying to get away with a crime. Yes. Um, I, I, I love your stories. Um. I love the stories that you write. I love the stories that you tell. <laughs> Are you able to – oh, well, okay. Before I get to the question I was about to ask, I'm mm-hmm. just going to veer off back to sure. our other question yep. that I keep abandoning, which was <laughs> – um, so we've covered the fictional things that maybe possibly inspired mm. uh, the chase. Mm. But there's also a lot of references to real crimes mm-hmm. um, or like uh, crimes in this book that seem – similar to, to well-known crimes. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so um, I want to talk a bit about those, like the... Um, oh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, oh, that's a bit of a spoiler, though. Oh, uh, not if we don't say who it's connected to. Yeah, okay. Or, okay. or maybe we'll just leave it at that. Tantalising, there will be reference to... Yes. ...that in the book <laughs> yeah. in some way that you couldn't in possibly know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because um, I watched that documentary... There's a documentary on it on Netflix and I went, oh, I love that. Love that. Can yeah. I use that? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting and very sad story. But, yes. Um, and the, the general in instances of family annihilation. Yeah, um, family you... annihilation is something that has fascinated me for a very long time and I've wanted to write about it. Um, I go through phases of, of questioning criminality what made you do this? What makes you do that? And my current obsession is con men. I, I, I'm very interested in con men, but I, I family annihilation is something that really puzzles me. Uh, when and you know, you know, it's usually men, but sometimes women will just go, "That's it. I'm killing everyone, mm. the whole family." Um, and there was a, a guy in France who I, I did a deep dive into that case. He murdered his wife and his three sons and, you know, buried them and then disappeared. And then um, the Chris Watts case, I did a deep dive into that where he wow. murdered his wife, Shannon, and their two little girls. And uh, I just think to myself, it's so arrogant to believe that I want to end this family so they cannot possibly go on existing. Yeah. There's a certain arrogance to murder and it's, it's possessiveness in that sense. And this weird, like, it's just such, such an unthinkable thing, I think. Um, you know, you can, it's easier just to understand someone who's driven by, like, rage or... Mm, um, yes. But, but this... While this, I'm sure, is driven by rage in some way, it's mm. n- it's less understandable. It's often it's planned, really coldly planned for a very long time, and then they do it and they go, "This is the day." And I have so many questions about that. What makes that the day that you do it? What makes that day the day? And 
And how dare you believe that you have the right to, that these these children and wife and usually the family dog are your possessions and you decide whether they live or die. And, and how do you go on existing after you've done that? Like what is your plan and that the, you're just... Yeah, the horrible thing that you often hear in, in cases like this where it's like they truly on some level believe that it's like mercy yes like the arrogance of that and Mm, the narcissism mm, of that mm. like you know I can't look after you anymore I can't carry this family anymore therefore Mm. you should just be set free yes it's horrible yeah so in this book um I have all those questions and then I I was interested in survivors um of that situation how Mm. do they carry on because you almost never hear about it and so he, the family annihilator in this case, has let one member of the family survive and she is asking herself, why? Why did you let me survive? And she goes, it's a very brave thing for her to do, she goes um, to confront him and say, why did you uh, Why did you let me survive? And his reason that he gives her is so unsatisfactory. Uh, And I think that's the challenge whenever you're talking about homicide is sometimes you just don't get answers. You know, when I was talking to Lawrence and I, that was my question, why? Why did you kill all these girls? And I kept posing it to him. I kept throwing it and it was just like throwing a ball against the wall. It would just come back. Because there's no good answer. There's no good answer. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's never a satisfying answer for it. It's always messed up. Yeah. Oh, he, his, 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 his answers were, oh, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my idea. I didn't, I just, you mm. know, I try not to think about it, blah, blah, blah. There was nothing, there was no real, you know. Uh, so it's that frustration of not having answers uh, that I was toying with. Yeah, it's a really interesting, it's an, it's an interesting question. You raised a lot of things in this book, actually, that I found thought-provoking, which is interesting as well because it's such a fast-paced book <laughs> and you don't really have that much time to, like, yeah. have thoughts, like, yeah. that aren't directly to do with what's happening action, on yeah. page. But it, it does. It sparks off little, like, um, mm. thought processes, like a thing. I'm going to keep character names out of this and, and be vague mm. um, to avoid spoilers. Yeah. But, like... The nature of evil and recognizing evil, and the way and the way people present themselves, I mm. thought was interestingly shown in this because you've got sort of two characters, and one of them, you know, like you know that thing you should never trust anyone who says, "Oh, I'm a bad guy," because like yeah. you, yeah, people people who say that generally kind of are bad people, mm. but they mm-hmm. are trying to charm you yeah. by owning that they're bad and yeah. then get you to feel yeah. so, that you alone understand them or whatever. Mm. So like. People who present a bad people who like get away with being bad by by being honestly bad. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's interesting. And then you have people who the entire world may f- see as bad who don't bother to yeah. defend themselves because it's it's Celine's major. Celine is sort of the center of this book, and her major challenge throughout it. Like I think that the measure of any good book is 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 how the main character grows mm. and develops and changes and is challenged and her major challenge in this book is trying to come up with the idea that you know can you trust she, your instincts yeah her her radar is off mm. you know she thought she knew who the bad people were uh, in her own family on her row 
in her relationships and suddenly she goes, oh, my God, I don't know who's good and bad. I don't know who I'm letting into my world here mm. and who I'm rejecting. And that's really confronting. I, I think it kind of goes up to my uh, divorce, actually. <laughs> it's weird how things are inspired. But um, I uh, was in a relationship um, that ended in divorce. I was married and um, something – I want to be vague uh, – <laughs> something was revealed uh, in that relationship to me and I was sitting across – the table from someone who I was married to who I'd been with for about seven years and then suddenly as soon as he said it I thought I don't know you at all oh my god I don't know you at all you know and I was sitting across the room from a stranger and not only is it like that person that I thought I knew died right in front of me but I'm like who is this you know, and, and now, how do you trust yourself now? Yes, because how do, I don't know who anyone is, yeah. and now and then you go into relationships after that, and you're meeting new guys, and you're you're saying, oh, do I want to be with this person or not? And you've just proven to yourself that you don't know anything about oh, anyone God. in a really dangerous way, you know, because you're letting them into your life and all this. And uh, it's, it was a terrifying time for me. That's frightening. Yeah. It was really like the, the floor just went out from underneath me there and I thought, I don't know anyone. My radar is obviously so completely off. Um, and that's a day-to-day. It's, you know, a man comes to the door and he says, oh, yep, yeah, you called my number for some landscaping for a quote and you go, oh, yeah, Um and you, you do all those micro-assessments. You think, oh, he looks okay and he seems nice and yeah. he must have got my number. I'll let him into my house while I'm here alone. Oh, my you know? God. And, and, and if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know anyone. I don't know what makes a good person and what makes a bad person. That's when life gets really scary. <laughs> yeah, how are you supposed to go on up when you can't trust your own judgment mm. and when you're second-guessing everything? Yeah. Um, I thought that was really well done in this book because oh, the slippery nature of people like, yeah. and how well you can ever really know anyone. Yes. And if you are a person, you know, who's got terrible stuff going on under the surface, mm. um, how easily you can trick people or... Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know, it's fascinating. I find, yeah, so there's con men. And uh, it was fun coming up with a con man in this novel and I'm doing another con man in the novel I'm writing right now um it's so fun to think of the little games and things that you can play with people if you're a con man character or the way or cons coming up with cons like I bought this slow cooker um and uh I can't I wait to hear how a slow cooker is <laughs> going to be involved cooker. in a con story yeah Continue. well there's a con in there that I kind of got from from buying a slow cooker so I bought this slow cooker and slow cookers terrify me because I just see them exploding and killing me and I've never had one before and just all the burning soup going all over me, I'm terrified. Yes, I can see how they'd be much scarier than a serial killer, for example. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't like them. I don't like you. People actually do make bombs out of slow cookers. It's because you can make them explode. Yeah, the... um, Pressure cookers. Pressure cookers is what Uh, I'm meaning, not slow cooker. Pressure cooker. Wow, okay. Because you clamp the lid on and you 
build all the pressure and all the heat and everything under pressure. Yeah. And then that's what cooks the stuff so fast. But and then also... you let the steam out and then you open it. But if you haven't let the steam out properly, then it's still under pressure. So if you open it, then it'll, it, yeah, it'll explode hot soup all over you. Oh, God. <laughs> so my mother-in-law has a pressure cooker and it's got like a big – it's an old one. It's got like a big old clamp like this. And when it's cooking, it goes like that, like a bomb. And I, I say to Violet, just get out of the kitchen while, while you know – your gran is doing that anyway um so i bought i bought one of those and uh i um where was i going with this anyway so i i i took it home and everything we're on the subject of con yes yeah (laughs) and i googled the brand of this pressure cooker explosion and then i saw there's this massive lawsuit in the u.s about this pressure cooker exploding on people (laughs) so i took it back to the store. Good. And I marched in there and I said to them, Did you know you're selling a and you're selling a bomb and the next person who walks in, you know, and he didn't say it, but his attitude was like, Listen, Karen. <laughs> uh, he gave me a look that just said, Look, Karen, uh, just pipe down. You know, he was like, there was a particular batch of these pressure cookers that were exploding on people. But the, this pressure cooker is not from that batch. And I don't know if I buy it. I, I use it, but when I take the steam off, I hold up a tea towel and I go like that, <laughs> like from about a metre away. So you did keep it. Yeah. Anyway, so I was thinking to myself that, because in my mind I'm trying to think scams, scams, scams. How do I come up with a scam? So I, I feel like... So they're in the book, there's this situation where he buys uh, a toaster or something, he takes it home and he burns it and then he brings it back, hopefully with a, a screaming kid with a big bandage on yeah. him and says, this exploded and burnt my child and just picks, you know, he picks a young manager who's yeah. frazzled and doesn't know what to do and he comes in at rush hour in the, sh- in the store and creates a scene and all this and 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 that's the con you, you ask for. $500 cash or otherwise or we'll you're going sue. to your lot. Yeah, yeah, or we'll sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm just walking around in my life. I'm trying to think trying of Trying to dream up. Scams. And then I bought some – that was the other one. I bought some outdoor furniture and I just rocked up and I said, here you go, and I paid the money to this lady who was standing outside a house. And then I got in the car and I thought, how do I know that that's – It could be anyone's furniture. Because <laughs> I never saw her go in the house or come out of the house. And that so is I, smart. Yeah, I thought, well, thank you. <laughs> I thought about Actually, because there, there is a, a scammer in the chase and mm. there is a, a point where they kind of rattle off a few mm. things that they did yeah. in their career as a, a con artist. And I found them all fascinating and frightening Yeah, because it's like – when they, when someone who does that for a living, uh, just c- calmly explains how they can do it, you see how easy it is. Yes. And then you, it's just a miracle that it doesn't happen to us all every day. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was just in con artist mode in my life. This is, you know, this is what I, uh, it is to be a writer is to walk around in a certain mode, just yeah. waiting and thinking and toying with that, you know. 
um what people could say, i do how could i do it yeah, yeah. people say to me how, what is it like being a writer how many hours are you at the desk and i'm like i'm at the desk for three hours a day but my brain never turns off i'm watching shows i'm listening to people's stories gathering I'm, things yeah i'm and, doing things yeah. in my life like i'm going and buying some outdoor furniture and i'm just can i use this can i use this can i use this can i use this <laughs> whenever something interesting happens i think can i use this you know? so you're on some level, working all the time. Yes. Just not always at the desk. Uh, yeah. So if any any of the people who pay me are listening, I am always working. Yes. You should pay me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not really. Uh, so now is the point in the podcast where I ask what's up next. You've tantalizingly already mentioned that mm. you're working on something with involving a con artist is that all you can say yeah at this the, point? that's that's a novel i'm writing right now mm-hmm. i've just finished a, an exclusive for audible uh fictional podcast about kidnapping mm-hmm. that was fun wow uh so that i don't know when i don't even know when that comes out but i'm editing that now um and maybe maybe doing a true crime podcast i'm fishing around with the Ooh. idea of doing a true crime podcast about a crime so if anyone's listening and they know what my mother is like, my mother is a very strange woman and <laughs> you never you never know what she's going to come out with. So she just came out with uh, about a month ago the fact that she, she encountered a real-life serial killer. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's just the when, idea that she would just <laughs> casually mention this. She just was just completely... You know, I, I'll just tease it because I'll do it properly in the podcast if we end up doing it. But it just popped up that my mum encountered a real-life serial killer when she was a teenager and the crime is unsolved. And my reaction to that when I heard this, I was like, really? Like I, How I, long have you been writing now? How, how long has it been since your first book? It's about seven or eight years. <laughs> I have been trying to be the number one bloody crime writer in the country and she has this serial killer in her background that she just hasn't even mentioned just didn't come up well literally it just didn't come up (laughs) and then oh my god mum honestly and and I I looked into the case and it's unsolved and there's all these avenues for investigation my mum has evidence uh, that she has not revealed to the police and all this and she wow. just a barrel of surprises wow you never know what she's going to do next she's like truly who knows? you really <laughs> never know never know wow okay so she's got this experience in her past yes and she's um not reported it no. or anything and this crime is unsolved and it's unsolved. to this day so i reported it to the police uh-huh. because I I like the police. <laughs> a lot well, of people don't like crime writers in particular don't like the police and I I'm nervous to meet this policeman this uh detective and have a chat with him because if he's read any of my work I do not Does portray... he know who you are? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah he, he know, does. Okay, yeah. So. Um he'd uh, hopefully he's not sitting around reading my books cuz I portray the police very poorly. <laughs> across several novels so my first thing i'm gonna say is i'm gonna be like hi i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm so sorry about everything that i have made police officers do in all of my novels and how awful they have been uh but 
Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm just um, – we're fishing around with it. We're trying to see – me and my partner, um, Amy Dale, uh, we um, – partnering crime on this podcast we're trying to see is it viable what can we do mm. do we have time blah 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 i hope you do because i would listen to that yes <laughs> very religiously <laughs> good 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 um that's very exciting breaking news to be continued mm. yeah wow. Mm-hmm. wow 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 okay well we we are approaching time Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, Candice, it has been, as always, a huge pleasure to Thank talk you. to you. Yeah, same. Um, I look forward to the next time you come and visit for your next book. Oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> just, you can stay. I, like, love, <laughs> I, I love coming to Booktopia. It's like going to my friend's house. I rock um, in in my thongs and I'm like, hey. I'm always so delighted. I've been looking, I don't even know if I've told you this, but my job at Booktopia now is for kids' books. So I am working outside of my category at the moment because okay. I can't not. Oh, that's like, lovely. You've got your favourite authors and you you can't – I just – you know, I spend, I spend most of my day working on kids' books, mm. but if Candace Fox is coming, all bets are off. Oh, that's so um, sweet. You're so sweet. Oh, I'm, as are you. <laughs> it's just a love fest. I'm just, it's, oh, no, it's, it's, a love it's fest. lovely to see you. And I woke up this morning, one of the first things I saw was – your tweet saying booktopia i'm coming for you and i was like yes yes candace fox day (laughs) best day of the year oh so so cute oh i'm dead now call an ambulance (laughs) call the coroner we we can't be responsible for killing candace fox we can't have that (laughs) revive (laughs) um and yeah so thank you so much and um for everyone listening I highly, highly recommend all of Candice's books, which you can get at your local bookstore or online at Booktopia, and especially, especially recommend her upcoming amazing blockbuster um, adventure crime novel. What else can I – what other adjectives <laughs> can I put in there? Treasure hunt. Wild ride. <laughs> Wild ride, um, yeah. yeah. The chase. The uh, chase, yeah. Out very soon or or previously 30s. out, depending when you're listening to this podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> It'll be around. You'll find it. Oh, uh, so thanks so much for listening, everyone. And never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.